Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. WITF and the Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Capital Region Economic Development Corporation are teaming up to present a debate of the candidates running for the state Senate in the 15th District. The 15th District encompasses part of Dauphin County and all of Perry County. Joining us are the incumbent Democrat Senator Rob Teplitz and his Republican challenger, John DeSanto. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the Chamber and Credic as well. We are not taking phone calls during the debate. It will be a three-way conversation amongst uh, me and the, the, the two candidates. We'll try to get to as many issues as we can. How I'd like to start this is by giving a candidate uh, 30 seconds to just kind of introduce yourself, even though you both are well-known in the community. And I'm going to start this alphabetically. So, Mr. DeSanto, I'll start <laughs> with you. Just like 30 seconds of, uh, of your personal background. Yes, I'm 56 years old. Uh, been spent the last 35 years in a real estate uh, development construction business. Um, married with two children, out of the house now, and uh, spent my life in the community, creating jobs, building communities where families can grow and pay taxes and so on, and providing office space for buildings, uh, businesses, that type of stuff, and working within the community. Just decided at this time in my life, I wanted to get involved in politics try to make a difference. Senator Teplitz? Well, I've spent the last two decades in the public and private sector fighting for families, taxpayers, and businesses. Uh, in the last four years, as the state senator for the 15th district, uh, I've fought successfully for great schools, good jobs, and government reform, and I've tried to be the most accessible, responsive, transparent, uh, and open official, uh, public official that I could be. All right, let's get into some issues. Uh, in your opinion, what are the top two or three critical issues facing Pennsylvania, uh, particularly residents of the 15th Senatorial District, over the next year, and how do you propose to address them? Senator Teplis, we'll start with you. Thank you. Um, well, it's what I said, education, jobs, and government reform. Um, and what I've done is not just talk about this issue, but I've gotten things done on these issues. Um, when I came into office, we had a crisis in public education in Pennsylvania in terms of funding that had been uh, just devastated by our previous governor. Um, I made restoring those cuts and investing again in public education a priority. Um, I was part of a special task force that also rewrote the funding formula so that we're not just increasing the size of the pie, but we're also dividing up that pie uh, more fairly. Um, education and jobs are linked. You can't get a good job if you are not well-educated. And I've uh, worked hard on the issue of workforce development and going from school to work, uh, career and technical education. Um, we've spent a lot of time in my office uh, helping people personally obtain and uh, pursue good-paying jobs. Uh, and the legislation that I've uh, that I've uh, passed into law, that I've fought for, um, relate to job creation as well in this district, along with uh, projects that I've been able to get funded. And then finally, on government reform, uh, I've led the fight to try to clean up the Capitol. Um, I'm the chairman uh, and uh, founder of the Government Reform Caucus, which is a bipartisan group. Uh, and we've led the way, particularly on the issue of banning gifts to public employees. So in my second term, I'll continue to work on all these issues and the other issues that are important to Pennsylvanians. And we're going to talk about all those issues a little bit later as we go along. But uh, John DeSanto, issues critical issues facing Pennsylvania, facing the 15th District right now. 
Yeah, I believe job creation is the number one issue uh, facing Pennsylvania. I also believe changing the culture in uh, Harrisburg is completely uh, necessary. And fiscal reform of government is the third priority. Wrapped within that is education. I do agree with Senator on that. I disagree uh, completely with what the Senator said on his commitment to education. He's blocked funding for school three votes. He's uh, the last budget crisis didn't vote for emergency funding for schools, uh, all those type of things. I believe that in my experience from the outside and job creation, I've spent 35 years creating jobs, working with different groups uh, in government, outside of government, to bring difficult, large, multi-state development projects together. And I think that Senator Teplitz has not worked well in reform, has not worked in a bipartisan issue. Uh, He talks about leading government reform, yet when he became a senator, he took a job as as counsel at a politically connected law firm, getting paid, I don't know, $100,000, 150000 a year. And although it passed the ethics review of the Senate, I mean, I just don't think it's right. And I don't know how you can talk about leading reform when the appearance of that, to me, just looks improper. Senator, I see you shaking your head no. Well, whoever gave John the notes that he is holding in front of him and reading him did not serve him well. Uh, None of that is true. Um, Let me start with education. Um, I co-sponsored the bill to keep education funds flowing during the budget impasse. Uh, And I voted twice for bipartisan budget agreements um, in order to try to end the impasse. Um, As for uh, my law practice, you know, it's very common uh, for legislators to continue to work in their careers that they had before being elected. Um, It's part of keeping your hands in the private sector, and it's also a way to supplement your income. Otherwise, only very wealthy people like John and Scott Wagner, who's supporting him, uh, would be able to serve in office. Um, I purposely negotiated a salary below my Senate salary uh, with my law firm in order to make sure that it is understood uh, that, that my Senate work is my top priority. But for him to suggest that I'm a lobbyist or that I'm being you know, influenced by, by my law firm is just not true. We actually have policies in place in order to keep an arm's length distance uh, on any substantive matter. So that's just one of many, many falsehoods that John and his campaign have been putting out. Now, you know, one of the things that we don't do on this show is he said, she said, or you're Two right. cases, he said, he said. Right. But I do want to give uh, you, John DeSanto, an opportunity to respond to that. Absolutely. I'd just like to point out that, yes, I do have notes that I type for myself. It's called being prepared. That's how you get things done, researching and making sure that you don't overlook anything, especially on a radio. So it's not some conspiracy, as the senator's alleging, that I'm prepared and have my notes. Uh, as far as his law firm, we don't know what he's paid. And I know that it was submitted to the Senate Ethics Committee and they passed it. But to me, as you know, people in your industry and media have made a career out of challenging those type of things. And I just think if you're going to lead reform, how when you're saying I'm not taking my paycheck as part of my government reform, excuse me, yet 
you're getting paid anyway. It just it, it appears to me to be improper, and I don't know how you can lead that way. Well, if if you want to talk about John conflicts of interest, let's talk about conflicts of interest. Um, your uh, campaign is being run by a lobbying firm uh, that will then lobby you when you're elected, uh, if you're elected. I don't think you will be. Um, we feel very confident. Uh, but that's why I have legislation that's actually co-sponsored by uh, your mentor, Scott Wagner, to prevent lobbying firms from running campaigns because that is an inherent conflict of interest. Um, we can also talk about the conflict of interest. You speak a lot about um, having uh, supervised the building committee for the Bishop McDevitt uh, High School. Um, what you don't talk about is that uh, you were paid for that work. Um, that's called doing a Dick Cheney, giving yourself uh, the own work. So if you really want to talk about conflict of interest, we can have that conversation for the next hour. Uh, I don't have any. I've been as open and transparent as I can possibly be. I would much rather talk about the substantive issues that the families right. of the district are concerned about. And we're going to do that. But one thing I do want to bring up, and I think even uh, the first few minutes of our conversation points out that uh, you know there are people who say that government today is more polarized than ever before definitely in Washington, and that Harrisburg is getting there as well. I want to have the two of you speak about your ability to reach across the aisle and work with someone in the opposing party. But before I do that, one of the one of the aspects of your campaigns that many people listening here today will take away coming into this, if they're not familiar with you, is what they've seen in your TV commercials. And they have become increasingly negative toward one another. Senator Teplitz, in one of your commercials, uh, you say that uh, John DeSanto uh, supported, and you actually quoted something he said on this program, uh, supports a sales tax increase. Well, that's not telling the whole story because he said he supported a sales tax increase with the elimination of property taxes. So that doesn't tell the full story. Mr. DeSanto, uh, you have a commercial where you say that uh, Senator Teplitz was the tie-breaking vote uh, when it came to eliminating property taxes. Well, that's not exactly true either. It was a tie in the Senate, and Lieutenant Governor Stack broke that tie, and it was also defeated twice in the House. I use those examples for both of you, is that those are just two examples. Many voters look at your commercials and say, well, I don't know who to believe. How do I get good information here when I'm seeing these commercials going back and forth? I don't know what's true and what isn't. Mr. Senator, how do you start with that? Good. I'd just like to go back for one second to Senator's comments. Uh, it's true that I'm using Red Maverick, but I'm paying them. He is being paid by another firm. That's a key difference there. Number two. It's really untrue, and I think it's indicative of how the senator's running this campaign. I worked on the Bishop McDevitt project for seven years and never received any compensation for that at all. And I challenge him to prove that. In addition to that, our firm did none of the work because I believed it would have been a conflict of interest as me running the project for the Diocese of Harrisburg. So there is absolutely nobody's leveled that charge at me before, and I would challenge him to prove that. Okay, well then let's get into, because it yes. kind of fits into what, yes. what I, I just asked about how are voters, know how would they know who to believe in this campaign? Well, I challenge all the voters to do their research, to go to their webpage, our webpage, my webpage, or the senator's webpage, and see what's out there. Um, I also 
tell them to research the senator's votes. He voted for the budget, our last budget that was just passed, and then voted against the tax increase that was required. And I've asked the senator publicly via email and in other events, you know, what taxes would you support raising? And he's not answered me. Maybe he'll answer today. But to claim that he's never raised taxes, it's true, but he voted for the budget that required $1.4 billion in new taxes. So to try to find the truth on Senator Teplitz, I think, is very hard. And I, you have 30 seconds in a commercial to make your point. I have detailed policies on the webpage that people can go to and but see what I have to see say. Do you see why that, why voters look at that and say, you know, I don't know what to do here? Well, it's an arms race in my mind. Um, you know, Senator Teplitz is constantly saying I'm funded by special interests. I am nowhere near funded as heavily as he is by the unions and trial lawyers. And if you look on the, I think it was last Wednesday's front page of the Wall Street Journal, their number one article on the top half of the paper is how union spending is far exceeding any spending in any elections in prior history and how they're affecting. So he has an unlimited war chest almost to put these commercials out, and I have to respond to them. Sir Teplitz? I wish I had an unlimited war chest. But getting back to your question, um, I think the, the Patriot News and Live said it best when they endorsed me last weekend. They talked about my record of achievement and my experience of getting things done uh, in a bipartisan way while also maintaining my independence. Uh, in contrast, they said that my opponent has nothing more than talking points. He's reading off of them now with no substance below it. Uh, and they say that he'll just be a, a reliable party line vote for the Republican majority. Now, as for uh, the budget and the tax vote, um, that is a product of the dysfunctional process that we have that I'm trying to fix. We passed a budget at the end of June that technically met the constitutional deadline. We didn't, we didn't have a tax bill knowing how we would pay for that budget until two weeks later. That's not my fault. That's the process that I'm trying to fix. Um, so I had no idea when I was voting on the budget, which invested in things that I've been fighting for for years, schools, jobs, restoring social services cuts, restoring agricultural cuts and others, how we were going to pay for it. But I didn't have a choice as to whether or not um, to, to vote for the budget on that basis at the time. That's why I introduced my, my government reform package of setting up a schedule, um, how we get to an on-time responsible budget starting in February with deadlines, and then severe consequences that get increasingly more and more severe if we miss the June 30th deadline. Well, That's the process I'm trying to fix. But getting back to my original question, if you're running on your record, you're proud of mm -hmm. the record, then why run the commercials that are misleading? And the, both of you have. Well, I think a, a campaign is a reflection of the candidate. Um, I'm running a campaign that is based on issue differences between us, which I think is very but fair. But if they're misleading, is that fair? They're not misleading. The, we provide citations in every single ad and every single mail piece that we put out. He said he wants to raise taxes. He said sales taxes uh, last week or the week before on Mark Scaringi's radio program. He added income taxes to it. If, if you want to have a debate about property tax relief uh, and how you want to increase income taxes, how you in, want to increase sales taxes, how you want to impose sales taxes on more goods and services, and then the numbers don't even add up. So school property taxes are still not eliminated, and local controls uh, of school districts over the spending 
spending of their own money are ceded to the state, I am more than happy to have that conversation. And we will. <laughs> You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. You're listening to a debate between the two candidates running for the state Senate in the 15th District, Republican John DeSetto and uh, Democrat Rob Teplitz. The 15th District includes part of Dauphin County, the majority of Dauphin County, and, a par- and all of uh, Perry County. Uh, we're going to get into some issues, and <laughs> I would say that, uh, you know, let's try to direct what we are doing to the issues uh, throughout the program. Education funding is an area where both of you have, have talked about uh, what you support in that area. Uh, Senator Teplitz, you mentioned that uh, the former governor, uh, Tom Corbett, uh, when he took office, you know, there still is an argument about whether it's a cut or what is it, uh, but when federal stimulus money did not continue, that uh, that money was not replaced. So there are a lot of Democrats who mm-hmm. look at it as a cut. Sure. The money had to be replaced, or sure. it, Governor Wolf wanted to re- replace that money. Um, as far as education funding, I'm going to ask the, the question point blank. How much is enough or, you know, every do we need an increase in education funding every year? Governor Wolf wants to get to a certain level that we were at before. What's your thoughts on that? No, it's a good question. Um, we know how much isn't enough because when... Education funding was cut under Governor Corbett. Property taxes went up because uh, school districts still had to provide those services and programs, and test scores went down. And so I've been fighting to restore those cuts, but also to make sure that the money is divided up more fairly among school districts. That's why we rewrote the the formula, and all the schools in my district do much better because of that, because the individual characteristics of the school district are taken into account. But it's important that we have accountability for the money that we do invest. I spent uh, most of my career before I was elected at the Department of the Auditor General. Um, We spent our mission on making sure that uh, publicly funded programs and services, uh, that those tax dollars are spent wisely. And so I believe strongly in in the need for accountability. But we we just can't um, ignore the fact that we have schools that – um, are under resourced. Not every school, but some school districts in our in our um, in the fifteenth district in particular are under resourced, and we need to make sure that they have enough resources. Um, now, you know, John wants to turn to the page on education. In his notes. He he can feel free to refute that. Okay, but well, before we uh, go to uh, Mr. Santo here, uh, you know, money is one thing, but performance sure. in the school is another. Sure, and. Even though there has been an increase in education funding in the last two years, we have not seen um, any real improvement, maybe maybe a little, and it depends on school by, by school. I mean, uh, you've heard people say that just spending more money does not necessarily translate into better performance by students, teachers, the whole school. What about that? Well, the the... Additional investment has only been in the last year, and obviously there's a lag between the time you make the investment and the time that you see the results of that investment. But it is certainly a fair point. We need to make sure that there is accountability uh, for the money that we're being that we are spending, and we need to make sure that you know taxpayers um, that are being called upon to make these investments. Uh, know that that money is being spent wisely, and, and I fully support that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, John, let's uh, talk about education uh, funding. How much is enough, and how should it be spent? 
I just want to go back for one second because the senator makes a good point that can't go unanswered that he voted for the budget before knowing how he's going to pay for it. And that does not happen in private industry. It's a fundamental flaw with government. And one of my proposals is to pass the tax code before we pass a budget. It's just ridiculous that you pass a budget and not knowing how you're going to pay for it. Well, Education let me, let me just add here yeah, for okay. our listeners' sake yeah. is that ha- is how it has it happened this year and has happened in I the past that, as, but as I, well. And I, okay. that, just you're clarifying out. the same point. Right. It's ridiculous. That's the problem with government. How Nobody does that in your home personal budget or in your business budget. It's ridiculous. As far as education funding, you know, we're in the top 10% of the country. You know, we're spending fourteen to 15000 depending on which, per student, you, yeah. you know, per student. And, you know, our output is not what it needs to be. Education funding should be a priority. It's the number one responsibility of government, in my mind. If we don't ha- raise good citizens, how are we going to have a good state? How are we going to have good government? How are we going to compete not only nationally but internationally, which is becoming more important? It's a global economy. Um, money is not the issue, Uh I think we need to have accountability in education, and there is no accountability in education. The um, unions in education have a stranglehold on the administrations of school districts on how they can be effective. Unfunded mandates control 60% of their budgets, both uh, federal and state unfunded mandates. But in addition to that, you know, with tenure and seniority with teachers, you know, letting go the last teachers in or the first teachers out, it's just horrible. We need to be keeping our best teachers. We need to end tenure. We need to have merit-based pay, and we need to hold our uh, school districts accountable for the output. This is the only area in uh state government where we judge ourselves by how much money we put in. Everybody just talks about schools need more money. Schools don't need more money. They need more accountability and use better use of their funds and make sure those funds go to the classroom. Another big problem is pension reform. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that at some point. But most of the uh, increase in spending, the supposed increase in spending, the governor of Wolf went, went to pay pension costs. It didn't go to the classroom. It has no impact on schools, on children in the classrooms. And that's what we need to focus on. All right, so before we uh, talk about pensions and some other areas of this, how would you hold those schools more accountable? I think that, you know... Uh, on the national level, they rolled back a lot of the no child left behind things to the states, and the states are going to start working on that. So I think that's a work in process, and when I become a senator, I look forward to that. I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk about testing to the teaching to the test, and, you know, how do you monitor anything or judge it unless you evaluate it? So I think we still have to test the outcomes of our students, but we need to be testing them on real world issues on how they're learning things both in math and civics. I'm showing my age, I guess, if I said civics, but that type of stuff that's not being taught. We're more interested in testing to the test and having children understand why things are as opposed to the reality of this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to the pension issue for just a moment because you both did provide some extensive answers here with education. Um, John DeSanto, just what you mentioned uh, about needing uh, pension reform. We're talking about educators. We're talking about retired uh, state workers. The state has like a $60 billion hmm. debt. Uh, the There was some uh, legislation that was passed uh, this past session that, to deal with that issue. Uh, Republicans, like yourself, have said that doesn't go far enough. Hmm. What do you want to see? 
Well, number one, the pension system has to be reformed to save the pension system. You know, this number is thrown around so much. I don't think people understand the magnitude of it. It's $63 billion right now. And I need to be clear, it is not the state workers' fault that that number is where it is. The legislature and governors have not funded the pension properly. You know, there's been an economic, uh, the pension obligation they have properly. There's been a huge economic downturn that's impacted that. And those are all reasons why where we're at. The problem with government is they have not done anything to address it. With the current budget that we've had, it's just increasing spending. There's no discussion of trying to control our costs to pay that debt down. That debt has to be paid down sooner or later. Somebody coming from the private industry, if I try to run a business and talk to any kind of financial institution about running my business or getting a loan and saying, I have this huge amount of debt over here, but we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist, I'd be laughed out of the room. All right, but then how would you pay that debt down? I think we have to look at wasteful spending. I think that um, there's numerous ways. There's the Taxpayer Caucus Report, the Commonwealth Foundation, Rock the Capital. All these diverse groups have anywhere from 700 to $1.5 billion in yearly savings that they've recommended that could be implemented that the politicians... That Do leaves not you sixty one billion. Pardon me? That leaves you with sixty one billion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you have to pay it down over time. There's there's I do not have an answer to say how to get sixty billion dollars next year. That's not feasible. It's gonna have to be paid down. So we have to get cut wasteful spending, start paying our debt down. We have to move new employees into a four oh one style four oh one K style pension pro that won't help the sixty billion, but it'll, you know, alleviate the problem moving forward. You know, there's another thing. You know, we're averaging about $2 billion a year in what's called lapsed funding that's approved in a prior budget that isn't spent, that the legislature and the governor just take into the next budget to pay. That money should be taken to pay down our current debt. Families and businesses don't operate in this environment where you don't realistically look at your debt. So there's numerous ways out there to address it, but you have to have the the nerve to do it. We're going to talk about some of those ways. Senator Teplitz, what about this? Uh, The the Democrats in the legislature have been slow to at least go to where the Republicans want to go with the debt. Well, John just said he doesn't have the answers. That's what the Patriot News said over the weekend. He doesn't have answers. He just has talking points. Um, Here are the answers. Um, The challenge to the pension funds were caused by years of governors and legislatures not putting in the state's share. In 2010, two years before I was elected, a law was passed on a bipartisan basis to get the state on a payment schedule so that that money would be paid. That is working. Um, Now, for ideological reasons, but not mathematical reasons, um, there is an effort to move public employees into a 401k-style plan. Every independent review of that proposal says it costs taxpayers more money because you're transitioning to a new pension system. So that doesn't make any sense. Now, recently there there was a choice between the Senate version of pension reform and the House version of pension reform. And 
I voted for the House version of pension reform uh, because it was uh, the, the lesser of two evils, if you will. Um, so for, for him to say that I've never voted for pension reform is just not true. Right now, this week, there's an effort to find a compromise between those and the governor, and I look forward to seeing what those details are. But when you say that the legislation that was passed in 2008 is working... 2010, okay. Act 120 yeah, of 2010. I have, I see, my math is a little bit uh, rusty, too. Uh, in 2010, is working. Is it paying down that debt? Because the debt doesn't seem to move. Well, it's making sure that there is no new debt. The other thing to keep in mind is, what is that $60 billion figure? That is the amount of money if every state employee and every public school teacher retired on the same day. That would be the, the cash payout if all of their retirement earnings for all of them would have to be paid out at the same day. That's never going to happen. That's like saying right now that I have an unfunded liability of whatever I owe totally on my mortgage. I don't owe that all today. The important thing is to be on a payment plan and acting fiscally responsible in paying that off. Let me ask the two of you, and if I can get some quick answers from both of you, would you support a tax increase to pay down that debt? Or would you support, maybe and or, support borrowing money to pay down that debt? Mr. Sano? Well, first of all, I just like to clarify that um, I don't know why the senator's so focused on my notes. It's just ridiculous being prepared as somehow I don't understand. I cannot believe what he just said. And from a private industry point of view, it's just flabbergasting. And that's why we are in the mess we are. If people run their credit cards up and never pay it off and only pay $10 a month, sooner or later, there's going to be an issue. I would not support a tax increase to pay down the pension unless there were dollar-for-dollar dollar cost savings done first. We need to get our fiscal house and restrain our spending, not necessarily cut services, but restrain our spending and cut waste out of government and start paying our debts before we even begin talking about tax increases. What about borrowing? And the other thing, oh, yeah, I think borrowing may be a component, I'm sure, that I don't expect the senator to understand complicated financial and tax issues. You know, he's in the government. Um, but uh, there may be a way that that could be used to save money. Um, so that would be something I would hey, consider. Can we stay away from the personal stuff and right. just, do, you know, although it was pretty funny. After, I mean, you yeah, it, is, too, it is funny because I spent most of my career running a large government agency responsible for being a watchdog over state and local finances. John, I'm not obsessed with your notes. I'm distracted by your shuffling and by your sending and receiving texts while we're trying to have a conversation. On your issue, Scott, and I'm glad we're able to have a conversation on issues, um, refinancing the pension debt was a serious proposal by Representative Glenn Grell that many in our caucus and many in the legislature uh, were very open to, as was I. Um, I don't want to talk about any new taxes for anything um, before we start uh, focusing on making sure that the out-of-state drillers um, in the Marcella Shale are appropriately paying a severance tax. That's why I voted against the tax bill, because I was not going to be part of taxing Pennsylvanians more while the out-of-state drillers 
And while tax cheats through this tax amnesty program were let off the hook. So, yes, I I confess I was trying to be fiscally responsible uh, in opposing those tax increases and in opposing the same kind of smoke and mirrors and accounting tricks that got us into this mess in the first place. What about borrowing? You already said you wouldn't favor a tax increase. Well, no, I said borrowing refinancing, just like you would refinance your mortgage. Mm -hmm. You know, many of us supported Glenn Grell's refinancing plan. Okay. All right. Let's move on to another issue. And you, you two touched on this a little bit earlier, and that is uh, the, the property tax issue. This state has been dealing with this issue for at least the past 30 years, maybe even longer than that. It is the least popular tax out there that uh, homeowners feel that, uh, you know, we know that there, there are uh, people who have paid off their homes that uh, sometimes have uh, trouble paying for their property taxes and all those things. There have been a number of proposals out there to in, to eliminate property taxes or at least reduce property taxes. But the bottom line is those numbers, those that money will have to be replaced some way. So uh, if we can get away from the text and the, the uh, note thing, uh, let me ask about uh, property taxes. Senator, what do you support when it comes to the elimination reduction of property taxes and how do you make up that money? Yeah, I think we all recognize that that's an important issue. The question is, how do we get there? Um, I have a bill that delivers the casino-funded property tax relief that we were promised a dozen years ago and that many of us have not received. I studied this issue at the Auditor General's office. The current system puts a tremendous burden on the homeowner. You have to know when to apply, where to apply, how to apply, how often to apply. We make that simpler, make the state responsible for delivering that property tax relief. So that's one thing. It's a small part of it, but a lot of the anger over property taxes is because we were promised something that we never received. Second, um, I was uh, able to introduce several bills to provide targeted relief to seniors, to veterans, to individuals with disabilities, to try to get in a realistic way help to the people who need it the most. This idea of shifting, as my opponent wants to do, from school district property taxes to higher income taxes, higher sales taxes, sales taxes on everything from you know daycare to funeral services, and then eliminating property taxes on top of that is a fantasy because most school districts, almost every school district in, this, in the state, will still need to levy property taxes, even after we're paying all those other high taxes under his plan, because they need to pay off their debt. So it doesn't add up. And then on top of that, when all of this money, if it were to work, goes to the state, school districts lose control over how much money they get to invest in in their own communities. So that doesn't seem like an idea that most Pennsylvanians would really support. Now, I just want to point out, and I want to clarify here, what you just said about uh, what John is proposing Mm -hmm. is something that uh, Governor Wolf uh, originally had supported with uh, making other uh, items that are not taxed now by sales. You mentioned funerals and those kind of things. So... You just want to clarify that you're going against what Governor Wolf had originally proposed. I am. Um, I think uh, I think John should recognize that because uh, he criticizes me for being too close to Governor Wolf. And yeah, I didn't support Governor Wolf's tax plan. I confess. Mm-hmm. All right, John. So, what about uh, property taxes? Well, I couldn't disagree more with 
just about everything Senator Teplitz said. I think we need to eliminate property taxes. I don't like listening to this nonsense about we're going to target this and we're going to target narrow portions of the citizenry of Pennsylvania. I look into the citizens as one group. And I've been knocking doors in the last year going out meeting lots of seniors that are struggling with this issue. Thousands of homes have been foreclosed. Young families struggling with it. I'm suggesting that we eliminate the property tax, close the loophole where the senator said where school districts can continue to tax to pay debt. There's a lot of talk about fair funding formulas, and I think that taking that money through increasing the sales tax, <clears throat> excuse me, and the personal income tax to the state, make sure there's a mechanism in place that the uh, the state returns that money fairly because there's a lot of districts within the state that are struggling. You know, there's urban districts in the 15th district that don't have the tax base, that don't have available funds to do all the update their schools with, you know, technology and sports and all that kind of stuff. Then there's other school districts that are in well-to-do areas that are doing fine and have great everything. And that's not good for the, the state. We need to provide fair education funding. So I'm for elimination. We need to just eliminate this system and we need to put in a fair, low cost tax shift to we need that money. And I also, <clears throat> excuse me, um, well, that's enough. Yeah. All right. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. You're listening to a debate between the two candidates running for the state Senate in the 15th District, Democrat Rob Teplitz and Republican John DeSanto. The 15th District includes uh, the part of Dauphin County and all of Perry County. WITF's election 2016 coverage is supported by the Harris Law, Law Office, Harrisburg Law Office of Saul Ewing, LLP. Jen, we're going to try to move on to as uh, many issues as we can. Uh, Pennsylvania is a transportation hub, and a major part of our local economy connects residents and businesses alike with uh, routes for planes, trains, and automobiles in our region. What's your opinion on how to fund and maintain our transportation infrastructure as a state? And John DeSanto, I'll start with you. I think absolutely it's a huge importance to the state, you know, especially in our district here, you know, with our road network, it, it's substandard and, you know, PennDOT's currently, you know, trying to improve it and the improvements are, will do some, but transportation funding is huge. Um, we need to do a better job with the taxes that we collect through the uh, motor tax, liquid fuel tax and motor fund, so on. Um, I think a big problem there is, you know, we need to fully fund the state police properly. I really have a problem with funding the state police, although technically it can be done um, through the transportation budget, but I don't believe that that's the purpose. Can of the I tra- interrupt for just yeah, one second sure. again for some background purposes yeah. for our, our uh, listeners? There was a transportation bill, funding bill, passed several years ago, and it has been uh, found that, uh, I don't know if a majority, but a great deal of that money is going to pay state police coverage of municipalities that don't have their own local police departments. Right. So, I'm yeah, sorry it's $750 million dollars a year, so it's a significant number. And I believe that here again, you know, we need to look at wasteful spending within PennDOT and and just try to control our costs to deliver as much as we can to deal with the capacity and maintenance issues that we have throughout the state. What do you feel is our major infrastructure issue? In terms of roads or railroads? Roads, anything. um, 
Well, I think in a global economy here, uh, you know, we have a lot of issues with um, ocean-going freight, things like that. There's a big impact in Philadelphia that we're trying to work that will benefit the whole state, you know, so I really support that kind of stuff. The road network is hugely important, and and the rail is very important to Pennsylvania, so I I would not want to pick any of those. I think they're all major issues that really need addressed. But just so I can clarify, your, your solution to funding is to find the wasteful spending. I mean, what about finding additional money? Well, I think we can do as much as we can. Uh, You know, the government constantly talks about revenue and everything. And, you know, to me, the government has no revenue. It's taxing. And people say, well, let's raise our licensing fees. And, you know, trucks are paying a ton of money. People are paying a ton of money for inspections and so on. So there may be some opportunity to raise fees. But whenever we raise fees and taxes, it comes out of taxpayers' pockets. So I think the real solution there is to try to really look at government overall and focus on this wasteful spending and pay the debt down so that we have more money available to invest in our infrastructure. Senator, transportation funding. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wasn't aware we had any oceans in the 15th district. Um, no, but you know what he said. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge port. Well, here yeah. in Dauphin and Perry counties, mm. um, what we're seeing are roads and bridges that have been ignored for decades. Um And now they're being repaved, they're being expanded, a lot of projects. um, You know, there's some temporary inconvenience uh, with that, um, but the result uh, is, you know, a billion dollars of investment into this area over the next, uh, uh, I believe, 10 years. Um, We've also succeeded in my office in helping local governments get specific state grants for their specific needs at a local level. Um, we've been championing that, and I'm very proud that we've gotten a lot done that way. Do we need more money, though? Well, I think that we need to invest the money that we have more wisely. Um, the transportation bill that was passed under Governor Corbett is sending more money uh, into our communities, and we're seeing those investments here. Uh, we need to make sure that there's appropriate follow-up and accountability for how that money is being spent. Let me you ask know, I you would, the two I would just expand on that a little bit. You know, the interstate road system in, in our district was designed in the 50s and 60s, and it's just under capacity for t- today's use. So in my mind, yeah, we do need more money for infrastructure to help all Pennsylvanians, the economy, people getting to work, so on and so forth. Let me ask uh, the two of you, and I'll ask for quick answers if I can. Uh, It recently came out, in fact, uh, Auditor General D. Pasquale pointed this out, that uh, the Pennsylvania Turnpike, as part of transportation do well. This was even before the Corbett uh, transportation funding bill. It was back during the Rendell administration, Mm -hmm. that the Pennsylvania Turnpike is supplying millions of dollars to PennDOT for, uh, you know, well, actually it's for uh, uh, mass, mass transit, transit, mass yeah. transit, especially in the, the larger cities. Um, the Penn, that uh, Deep Esquale, uh, the Auditor General, pointed out that uh, the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission may go bankrupt as a result of this. Now, that was supposed to be done in cooperation with I-80 being told the Fed said no. Mm. Do you support taking that funding mechanism away from the Turnpike? Well, that was what the um, Corbett Transportation Funding Bill was intended to do. Um, We studied this when I was at the Auditor General's office. 
Um, that was a very imperfect way of providing funding, loading up the turnpike with debt, essentially, in order to fund uh, PennDOT. Um, that's not how we should do it. That's why uh, tolls are going up every year. So I'm glad that uh, Auditor General DePasquale is following up on that. Um, I have uh, legislation in order to implement recommendations um, on audits and reports that I was a part of on how we make sure that the Turnpike is spending our money appropriately. Would you take away that, uh, that part of it, though, that the Turnpike has to supply money for mass transit? Well, sure. The Turnpike should not be used as a funding source, as a slush fund, if PennDOT is not appropriately funded. And again, that is why the the transportation bill under Governor Corbett um, tried to make that disconnect. But that debt that that the Turnpike now has still has to be paid off. They shouldn't incur any new debt, but the old debt, unfortunately, has to be paid off. Mr. Sano? No, I don't think the funding should be sent down to Philadelphia. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, it's not it, just Philadelphia, but that's well, okay. a major sector. Yeah, Pittsburgh, major, yeah. yeah, wherever there's mass transit. Um, it, very little, if, if any of it, goes to Conrail. Um, but I think, you know, road users need to pay for the roads. And I think mass transit users need to pay for mass transit. We're The road users essentially subsidizing the um, mass transit users. And I just think it's another smoke and mirrors with government spending and costing how they end it. The one thing I will say is the turnpike's a nice road. (laughs) Senate leaders are considering what to do with a House bill that would ban abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy, with some exceptions, sooner than the current 24-week restriction. Where do you stand on this issue? And John DeSanto, I'll start with you. Well, I'm pro-life. I support that. Um, I'm pro-life from conception to natural death. I have three exceptions, uh, uh, rape, incest, life of the mother. And I don't think... um, you know, abortion is women's health care. I'm getting banged up by the senator on that. Um, uh, I support women's health care across the board. I'm married. I have daughters. Half my family are women, and I support that. Uh, so I just think that's another unfair characterization. But I'm solidly pro-life. Why? Why that four-week difference? And, Senator, I'll make sure you can... You know, I do not support abortion at all. And I think anything we can do to, you know... Eliminate. Well, eliminate, control it. I, you know, I have the exceptions that I said, and I think that those are very hard exceptions. But it, it, it's just, you know, it's a taking of a life, and I think it it is a um, difficult commentary on where we are as a society when that's called health care. Well, I think this is another example of how extreme his positions are. Yes, he has said he would tolerate some exceptions. But he also said he will do, quote, whatever he can to make abortion illegal in Pennsylvania. Um, He said that it's uh, not health care. He said it shouldn't be used as birth control. Um, That's all very insulting to the women who have to make that tough choice. My position is politicians should not be making that decision. Women and their doctors and their families should be making the decision that is right for them and the government should stay out of it. Mm -hmm. And again, trying to cover as many issues as we can here in the last five minutes or so. Uh, Energy. Pennsylvania, over the last uh, eight years or so, has become one of the leading states, if not the leading state, for natural gas production. And we've seen a little bit of a a slump here lately in uh, natural gas production. 
Uh, let's talk about renewable energy, though. Uh, this is something that, uh, you know, even though we're getting away from coal, we're getting away from, from some of the fossil fuels, uh, many candidates are talking about what the state needs to do to foster renewable energies. Senator, let me start with you. Uh, how should pri- Pennsylvania prioritize investment in uh, clean renewable energies? Well, thanks for the question. Uh, I'm proud of my 100% score uh, on the environmental scorecard released by all of the major environmental groups, um, and they've also endorsed me. They called me a Senate environmental champion. I introduced legislation on this very issue to expand our use of renewable energy through the alternative energy portfolio standard that was first enacted into law uh, under Governor Rendell. Um, I've also introduced legislation to focus on green jobs and job training and green buildings. We need to be moving towards renewables, um, but we also need to provide an appropriate transition um, so that the workers who are in, you know, those other industries that we had relied on for our energy needs um, are not left out in in the cold, no pun intended, but that are trained and have the opportunities to move into other Unfortunately, jobs. I don't have time to follow up on that. I would mm-hmm. like, John DeSanto, what about renewables? You know, I support anything that leads to energy independence, but it has to work economically. And, you know, the senator talks about all the bills he's introduced. None have been passed. I mean, it's another big That's government. That's not true. Um, another big government uh, war on coal. We sit on the largest natural gas deposit in the United States, if not the world. Um, we need to support the industries that support Pennsylvania. We need to stop the war on coal. Um, so I like the idea of renewables, and I think they're good. I like electric cars. They're for the very rich people that can afford them and so on. But till it economically works without government subsidies to actually make it work. I have no problem with research and development, but to artificially create an industry. Real quick, Senator, because I want to make quick, sure that you... This, this lie that he promotes that I've never passed a bill. Um, you can go on my website. You can see the list. Now, John said in a debate in the primary that this is not about teams. Well, this is about teams. That's how you get things done, by working in teams in a bipartisan right. way. That's what I've done to get bills passed. I want to make sure that the two of you have an opportunity for closing statements. Uh, Senator, since uh, John DeSanto started, give you 60 seconds for a closing statement. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate the honor that I've been given in order to serve the families, the taxpayers, and the businesses of the 15th District. I've done exactly what I said I would do, fight for great schools, good jobs, and government reform. And I've tried to be the most open and transparent and accessible and responsible public official that I can be. There's a very clear difference between me and my opponent. When he announced that he was running, he said, quote, I am running for the Senate to fight for myself. Not taxpayers, not businesses, not families, not veterans, not children, not seniors, but for himself. I'm running for re-election so that I can continue to fight for you. That's what I've done for the last four years. That's what I've done for the last two decades in our community. And I respectfully ask for your vote to continue being able to work for you. Senator, thank you very much. John DeSanto, 60 seconds. You know, I don't feel better after four years of Senator Teplitz's representation. The people I talk to don't. Uh, There's a clear difference on us. Uh, I'm for pension reform. He's not. I'm for property tax elimination. He isn't. I'm for gun rights. I have an A rating on the NRA. He has a D. He's pro-abortion. They like to call it choice, but it's pro-abortion. I'm pro-life. There just couldn't be more difference. I bring a unique perspective, 56 years old, private industry, 
two-term limit. I'm not taking the pension. I'm not taking the health care. I'm not taking the car because you cannot fight reform when you're benefiting from all those. I respectfully ask for everybody's vote. And believe me, I will represent the most underrepresented person in the Capitol, and that's the taxpayer. Thank you. Gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Thanks, Scott. WITFC Election 2016 coverage is supported by the Harrisburg Law Office of Saul Ewing, LLP. Our conversations with the candidates continue tomorrow. We're going to be talking with two congressional candidates, not at the same time, not a debate, but individually talking with two congressional candidates tomorrow's show.